what happens when I'm not able to be alone? I get very agitated. It's a weird battle that I have with myself that I want the solitude and I want this time away from everyone. But for some reason, when I get it, it's very difficult for me to sit with it. I think it's uh, just a generalized anxiety that I, that I have that sits with me. I have a hard time sitting still or not being occupied by something. And I think that that's my biggest factor or was my biggest factor in drinking was not knowing what to do with myself when I wasn't drinking. It's Julia Bainbridge, and this is The Lonely Hour. In this episode, we continue with our group of explorers, people who broke away to take a moment, or a week, or a month, or even a couple years, to get some perspective, have a think. Brandon Baltzley is the chef and co-owner of a restaurant called The Buffalo Jump in East Falmouth, Massachusetts. It started as a pop-up, and right before he brought it to life as a brick-and-mortar space last spring, he left. Brandon wanted to sober up, and he wanted to do it for himself, which sounds really hard to me. I'm no stranger to drinking. When left alone with those demons, they tend to grow more intense. I think anyone's would. Most forms of recovery require community and structure, not going at it alone. But Brandon felt strongly that that's what he needed. And so, in the middle of January, he went to Denmark, Maine, to stay in what was basically a tent. The idea was that he'd have to put down the bottle in order to survive the elements. I'm going to start with the first night that I got there. I got there just after dark. I did have a headlamp, but I didn't have boot spikes yet. And I was carrying a backpack full of food that I had for the first night. And I didn't even have ski poles. So I tried to climb this snow and ice covered hill for about a quarter mile, falling around every 10 steps, sometimes falling the entire way back down. It took me about two and a half hours to get up to the yurt. Brandon had been to this place before, the previous summer, when he went foraging for chanterelle mushrooms. In the dead of winter, though, it was an entirely different experience. I was going to go away for a month because I wanted to like quit drinking alcohol, and I thought that that would be a good time to uh, stop drinking alcohol and kind of work on myself and... Uh, try to deal with uh, the anxiety that troubles me. I don't think it had gone below zero that night. I think it was like hovering around the 10 degree, but it was cold. It was very cold. And uh, I was able to get a fire lit in the yurt once I got there. The next day I had to get all my supplies up. So I had to get my bedding, I had to get all my food. I had to get everything that I had, which took about three trips with a sled that I found. And then my days early on were filled hiking to go get water from the stream or there was a faucet a little further up. So on the days that I could get up to the faucet, I would do that. On the days that I couldn't because of the weather, I would go to the stream. The yurt is part of a group of yurts that make up a kind of eco-retreat. No one else was bold enough to rent one during the winter, though, so Brandon was the only tenant. And that was the idea. I'd have to load wood every day, keep the fire going 24-7, which 
seems not that big of a pain in the ass, but when your body temperature depends on it, keeping that fire roaring hot in a very small wood stove 24-7 is a task. And you don't sleep much either because when you go to sleep at night, you have to be up every hour and a half, two hours, and your alarm is the cold. When the fire dies down, you get so cold that you wake up. So sleep was done in about an hour to two hour intervals, pretty much the entire time I was there. Clearly, Brandon wanted to put himself through a very personal exercise, but he also had, has, a child named Faunus and a wife, Lara. We do have a two-year-old daughter, Faunus, and luckily, though, we have a basement apartment in my parents' house, and I was able to use my parents, you know, and we still do a lot for babysitting and helping with child care. So having that backbone is something that has allowed him to go do something he needed to do to work on himself because I had that built-in support system myself to help me pick up Fonis from daycare or, you know, whenever I needed to be at work, they were there to provide for her as well. And without them there, if we were just a married couple with our daughter living on our own, it would be an entirely different decision. I would have probably said, no, you can't go. I need you. And we have a business to run and you need to just figure this shit out on your own and or together with us, and you can't be alone because we need you. I mean, we've been married, and I've boyfriend and girlfriend for quite a while, so I can see, like, the way his personality works, and he's someone that has grew up, you know, more or less alone. So you can kind of tell when he gets to a point where he needed to go on his own and be by himself. So, and I was aware of that, and I can see it happening. This episode of The Lonely Hour is supported by HelloFresh. HelloFresh is a meal kit delivery service that shops, plans, and delivers step-by-step recipes and pre-measured ingredients right to your door every week in a special insulated box. The idea is that you spend less time meal planning and grocery shopping, but you're still cooking. There are three plans to choose from, classic, veggie, and family, with the option to switch between them. And then there are special menu features like 20-minute meals and one-pot wonders for when you need even quicker and easier options. But no matter what you choose, all meals come together in 30 minutes max, and they all call for less than two pots and pans. I ordered the veggie plan. I'm not a vegetarian, but it's a good way to make sure I'm getting my vegetables. There was a comforting roasted broccoli and potato chowder with pepper jack cheese and a really nice Mediterranean-style supper with asparagus and tomatoes on top of couscous with almonds and feta. Super tasty. For $80 off your first month of HelloFresh, go to HelloFresh.com slash TheLonelyHour80 and enter TheLonelyHour80 at checkout. That's $20 off your first four boxes. Again, it's HelloFresh.com slash TheLonelyHour80 and enter promo code TheLonelyHour followed by the numbers eight and zero. Enjoy it. This episode of The Lonely Hour is supported by Care Of, a subscription service that delivers personalized vitamin and supplement packets right to your door once a month. I've been doing a lot of work trying to be my healthiest self, meditating, avoiding alcohol, but when it comes to vitamins, I'm at a loss. There is so much information out there. Care Of helps you figure out what you need with an online quiz. You'll answer questions about your diet, health goals, and lifestyle choices, and five minutes later, you've got recommendations from Care Of's team of doctors, scientists, and nutritionists. My top concerns are my stress and energy levels. So now I'm taking ashwagandha to better my focus, rhodiola for burnout, and the on-the-go quick sticks 
I have a powdered mixture of vitamin B12 and other nutrients for when I need an afternoon boost. The chic little packets arrived at my house with my name on them. It's really cute. Two more things I love about this company. You can track your progress with the Care Of app and earn rewards when you remember to take your vitamins. And a portion of every sale goes toward the Good Plus Foundation, which provides expectant mothers in need with valuable prenatal vitamins. For $50 off your first month of personalized Care Of vitamins, go to TakeCareOf.com and enter promo code THELONELYHOUR50 at checkout. Again, that's TakeCareOf.com and use the promo code THELONELYHOUR50. That's the lonely hour with the numbers five and zero after it for $50 off your first month. To try to understand Brandon's extreme measure, we have to look at his childhood in Jacksonville, Florida. My mom was an alcoholic, still is. Uh, she was very active in the dating scene. I grew up in gay bars. My mom's gay. It was a transient kind of lifestyle. My mom was big into cocaine. Uh, and if you just know about the bar, cocaine, alcohol lifestyle, it can be a bit hectic. So we were either moving in with someone new every few weeks or she would land an apartment and then there would be people coming through every few weeks. She had the little dinette station where she would make like two entrees a night in the back of a gay bar called The Junction. And I pretty much grew up in that bar. I think the earliest memory I have of like knowing like what the hell is going on is I was on the swim team when I was young and I had a swim meet for like state or something. I'm, if I have to think about it real hard, I was probably like eight or nine maybe. Um, and I remember having to like get her up out of bed, pull her out of bed and like get her to take me to the swim meet. And like we, she definitely drove like blackout fucking drunk to the swim meet with me and got in the bleachers and was basically like falling down the bleachers the entire time. And that was like my, my first memory of her being super fucked up. My dad's non-existent. My dad was a Coke dealer in the eighties. It's probably why my mom banged him. I, she likes girls, so I don't know why else she would have. And knowing what I know, about his occupation back in the day. I can only put one and one together. Brandon's own use started young at 16 years old. By the time he was touring with a metal band at 19, he was doing cocaine and that eventually led to crack. Life on the road was tough. I was tired of uh, living off of $50 a week per diems while we were on the road and like 150 when we got home. He had grown up in his mother's kitchen, so Brandon decided to cook. He worked at a few restaurants in New York, during which time he also sold drugs, and then he spent a few years at the esteemed Alinea in Chicago before moving to Boston. At times he was sober, a year here, six months there, and as he puts it, he traveled in and out of recovery. Part of it had to do with the way I was raised. This is like normalcy, or at least that's how I transcribed it. But I think a, a big part of it, too, was just not feeling comfortable enough in my own skin doing what I was doing where I always had to be on a different like level. And I think being on a different level helped me kind of escape a lot of the past issues that I've had. Um, it, whether it's growing up, 
the way I did or whether it's, you know, I, I've been arrested a few times. I was in a gang for a little while. By the time Brandon and Laura moved to East Falmouth, he was drinking a fifth of whiskey a night and had developed alcoholic hepatitis. When you drink that much, I don't think you really care too much about your your life. I mean, I was 220 pounds drinking my face off every single night, not really spending time with my family, isolating, not motivated to work on things, not motivated for much of anything other than coming upstairs and getting a drink. In his mind, Maine was the answer. Two days I thought about it, and then I I looked online, found the place, talked to my wife, got the place, and then I was out by, like, noon the next day. I think there's an impulsivity to my psyche that's always there. It's always been present. I mean, there was literally maybe an hour and a half of conversation with my wife before I was making the booking and renting a car and trying to leave. I had packed everything in my house within 45 minutes. Laura's mom was here and her father. They were asking me what was going on. I just told them I was going away for a little bit. Her mom was very upset. Her dad understood and was okay. And then I backed the rental car out and drove six hours north. Wasn't he worried that he was going to drink again? Brandon could have very well spent his days up there in a haze if he wanted to. And as for the other stuff, for me at least, figuring myself out is a lifelong journey. What did Brandon intend to accomplish in this finite amount of time away, alone, without therapy, or AA, or any other support network? Perhaps I shouldn't have, but I pressed him about this after our interview. His answer was that he felt focused, intent. When he has a real goal, he can usually stay on the path towards it. When I had a problem that needed to be dealt with, in my mind, the only way I could deal with it is if I went off alone. And if I didn't do that, then I wouldn't be around anyways. So it's it's worth the shot. I had already known about the place. It was this like Buddhist retreat in the mountains of Maine. And I knew that in the winter, there wouldn't be anybody there. So I was like, man, maybe I can go to this place for a month, get a good price on it because it's the middle of the winter and nobody in their right mind would ever want to stay out here during that time. I actually thought it would be quite relaxing. Uh, you know, I thought that uh, it would be therapeutic and I'd be able to keep the yurt warm and I'd be able to keep my clothes dry and I'd be able to read a book and eat sardines out of a tin can and just go about my ho-hum day and be fine. And it became strikingly clear the moment I got there in the dark and had to scale that ice-covered hill to get indoors how hard it was going to be. There was frost on the walls. Brandon missed his family. Why didn't he just go home? I think that if I had cut it out too soon, if I had quit, it would have given my wife an impression that I was going to go back to drinking. I think that for my own 
mental space, I needed to be able to complete it. I have a really hard time sticking out through things and completing tasks. And I, for myself, I needed to complete it. Before the trip, Brandon weighed, as he mentioned earlier, 220 pounds. The morning we spoke, which was about six months later, he weighed 159. He runs every day, and while he worries that this may be a new kind of addiction, he hasn't been drinking. And he's planning a trip with his family. As he put it to me via email, isolation is a hell of a drug, and sometimes I need a break from it as well. We've already booked a cabin for the month of January, except I'm taking my family with me, but I intend to spend it mostly on one part of the cabin riding. I feel like this last experiment that I did spoke to me in a way that I, I kind of want to continue to do it every year in some way, shape, or form. Hmm. But not always alone. Not always alone, no. Thank you to Brandon Baldsley for sharing with us here at The Lonely Hour, and thanks to you all for listening. Do you have strong thoughts or questions about this episode? You can email me at thelonelyhourpodcast at gmail.com. You can reach me on Twitter and Instagram at Lonely Podcast, or you can find me on The Lonely Hour's Facebook page. Sign up for our newsletter at thelonelyhour.com, and you will be the first to know when the next episode drops. Until then, enjoy yourself. This episode was produced at The Listening Booth with the help of executive producer Terrence Mickey and audio producer Chris McLeod, who also composed our theme music. I hope you liked this episode. If you want us to keep making more, please become a member of The Lonely Hour on Patreon. That's the best way to support the show. Go to patreon.com slash thelonelyhour. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash thelonelyhour to learn more. Thank you for your generosity and for believing in this project.